Hey, hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be diving into uh, NGRX Auto Entity, a new library available for working with NGRX State, uh, kind of working with uh, data entities. And we like to think about that sort of thing and managing that and setting that up and CRUD operations and stuff like that, I believe. Uh, but I believe it's more than just like, as we think of like data models, kind of anything kind of related to that. So it should be pretty exciting. We'll take a look at that and, and look at some code. Should be cool. Mm -hmm. So let's get started. Uh, first, I'm going to introduce our panelists, then we'll introduce our guest. Joining us today, we have Brian Love. Brian, how's it going? Good. How's it going, guys? Going good, going good. Like your setup, are you in the little sound booth there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a little sound booth going. That way it's going to sound nice and good on the recording. So, yeah. Very nice, very nice. We will expect exceptional audio quality from you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Bonnie, what's going on? Whole lot of nada. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. It's getting a little hot here, so it's, it's getting roasty here. Man, uh, I'm in Texas. It's like 100 degrees today. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. So I'm very excited. Who's our, who's, what's going on today, Justin? Well, we're talking about this NGRX auto entity, and our guest is John Rista. John, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I'm excited to share this today. Awesome. We're excited to have you. Why don't we uh, dive right into it? How about it? Sounds good. All right. Can, I, can, I, can I interrupt real quick and just say a quick thing about John? Is that all right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had the privilege of working with John previously at Brebug, and uh, I'm really excited about this episode because John has put a lot of work into this. Uh, he's an extremely talented engineer and a phenomenal person to work with. So just to kind of set the stage, so John, you got it, man. Thanks. <laughs> he is pretty cool. I've been collaborating more and more with the with these Brebug guys, and uh, and John John knows his stuff. Don't let it go to your head, John. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> That's a great introduction. Great introduction. I mean, I just said his name and said hi. So that's a way better follow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I am very proud of that Brian's moving on. He uh, he's leaving Rebug soon here, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna miss him. He's been a great guy to work with. And uh, yeah, thanks, man. I have learned a lot. I have to say, you know, with with RxJS, we kind of we did some presentation stuff, um, mm -hmm. and I mean that was where RxJS really kind of expanded and. Uh, I really learned what it was and what it was about like, to write a reactive program. And I understand like, it's just, that's not an easy concept, which is what uh, one of the things I'm hoping that NGRX Entity will help solve is like, it kind of buffers you from a lot of that reactiveness until you really need it. So you don't have to kind of do it all the time. That's one of the, one of the goals with this project. So. so anyways, I think I'm ready to present here. Yeah, let's do it. I can actually click on the darn icon here. All right. Can you guys see my screen? Yep. Yes. All righty. So uh, delving into NGRX Auto Entity. Um, I previously did a, a presentation on Bonnie's NG Houston a week ago. Uh, that kind of goes into, it's kind of a more of the original sales pitch and, and dives into all the, the various things we're trying to do. Um, I'm going to try to get through this presentation fairly quickly. So if you want to get a, a, a bit of a deeper review of all the capabilities of um, auto entity outside of like the actual coding exercise you want to watch that um, as mentioned my name is john rista and i'm a senior engineer and architect at brebug um, you can find me at on twitter at john rista dev um, i'm kind of new there so um, not a whole lot of content from me yet before we dive in i do kind of expect that people have a general understanding of angular 6 or newer 
Uh, we also expect that you have some understanding of RxJS and reactive extensions for JavaScript. Uh, one of the goals with auto entity is to kind of buffer you from that a little bit. But if you need to extend functionality, you will still need to understand how RxJS works. And then, of course, this is a library for NGRX. And so we'll uh, expect that you understand NGRX to a certain degree, uh, at the very least, be able to add it to your project and get it going. And before we start, I just wanted to shout out to Mike Ryan, Brian Roberts, and um, Rob Walmold for NGRX itself. This is a wonderful framework, and we really love it at Brebug. And uh, you know, we started using it way back in version one or two, and it's really transformed what we do. So uh, it's kind of why I'm hoping I can make that simpler to use and uh, continue to. And they're so lovable. They're very lovable. They're great. I was probably really intimidated by them in the beginning because NGRX is kind of advanced. But once I got to know them, they're really wonderful people. They're, they're great guys, yeah. yeah. I love them on stage. OK, so the problem, um, while we do love NGRX, and it has a solid design and a well-thought-out architecture, there are some things to hate as well. Um, maybe hate's a strong word, but it's the love-hate conundrum. So uh, of course, high volume of guys like code. This has changed recently with NGRX 8. Um, they have added some utility functions that simplify some of the things that used to be very complex in the past, particularly like creating actions and effects and stuff like that. That's become a little easier. Uh, there is still a pretty high volume of code that you have to write to actually build a full app with NGRX. Um, with all that code, that kind of leads to a moderate to high level of complexity, especially because a lot of these things are fairly highly decoupled. So you create an action, and actions don't directly interact with the store, and they don't directly interact with effects. So there's a lot of decoupling going on. You kind of got to think at an abstract level to really understand how NGRX works and how to make everything work together. Another issue that often crops up is the high dispersion of, of NGRX-related code throughout the code base. You have your actions in one area, you have your effects in another, and your reducer in a third area, and then you're actually dispatching actions and subscribing to um, selectors all over the place. There's a really high dispersion of reactive state-based code all throughout your entire code base. And one of the goals we have with NGRX Entity is to help kind of consolidate that into a, a more centralized location. And so kind of some of a lot of the things you have to do now, and, and this has changed. I, I wrote this originally for uh, the previous version of NGRX, and some of this has been reduced a little bit with NGRX 8, but there's a lot of little pieces that kind of go into creating state with NGRX today. And then with uh, Auto Entity, we reduced that quite a bit to just some basic initialization. Of course, you got to do your standard stuff for NGRX. And then there's two key pieces of code that are still the, the core developer responsibility, and that's models and services. Mm -hmm. All right, so the core design of our library, it, it is an add-on library for NGRX. We are not trying to replace NGRX. We are not trying to really change how NGRX works. We like how NGRX works at, at a fundamental and high level. Um, its design and its architecture is very good. So John, does it rely? So you need to install NGRX as well, right? And which, which modules of NGRX are required? Um, that's a good question. And I can probably bring up my, I'll, I'll dive into that when I get into the code, because we, okay, we have cool. a project and I'll get into what we actually need. And these are peer dependencies on the NGRX. It's at brebug slash NGRX dash auto dash entity. Um, when you're calling from NPM or Yarn. Um, and th these are listed as peer dependencies. And currently, our peer dependency version is Angular and NGRX 6 plus. Um, okay. We'll be doing testing to make sure that uh, Angular and NGRX 7 and Angular and NGRX 8 are working. Uh, I haven't actually done any testing with those. And it's darn new. So uh, we'll mm -hmm. make sure it works. And if there's any, any change we need to make to accommodate them, we'll make them. 
Um, but they are a peer dependency. So if you install auto entity, it'll tell you what you need to install. So. Awesome. Uh, um, so the key, the, the core of this library, and this is really kind of Jesse's original idea. Jesse is the CTO of Rebug, and he came to us and said, so I want to I want to do generic actions so that we don't have to keep writing new actions for every entity we, we need to create. And uh, my first response was, well, you're going to have problems doing that because of this and that and this and that. So Jesse challenges me like he usually does and says, well, you go figure it out. <laughs> so we did. Um, Brian and Anthony and myself kind of dove in, and we, we figured out how to make generic actions work. And it was ended up being a little more complicated than we thought. Um, yep. But it actually is, is really powerful once once they are working. So we have a set of generic actions for loading, uh, obviously, all your CRUD stuff. Um, we also have actions for some other common use cases like selections, deselections, clearing an entity state, et cetera. Uh, we also have a core set of reusable effects. So you no longer even have to write effects. Our effects take care of everything for you. They respond to the actions. They dispatch uh, new actions. They will call into an entity service. And I'll get into how that works in a little bit here. We also have a shared meta reducer. Now, it's a meta reducer that handles all reduction of all entities that are managed through NGRX Auto Entity. Um, so you don't even have to write any reducers with this. Some of our key tenants and kind of the philosophy of our design is to stick with familiar patterns. Uh, we don't want to introduce new ways of doing things that we already have a solution for. An example of that would be um, registering providers. You know, we didn't want to create a new solution for how to map a provider to a particular entity. Uh, we wanted to rely on the existing functionality in Angular. And Angular is injector. It's not the most flexible injector, but it actually has enough flexibility that allowed us to do this. Uh, requires some changes in how you register your providers, and we'll get into that. But um, we kind of stuck with a lot of this, the existing patterns and practices and standards. Um, that are already put in place by Angular itself as well as NGRX. And then finally, we want to make sure we are flexible. We don't want to impose a particular way of doing things on users. We want to provide a library they can utilize, but if they need to, to kind of go to ground and actually use NGRX as a base, they can. Uh, if you need to create a new action to select information in a way that NGRX automatically can't do, uh, you can actually then utilize our success and failure actions to integrate with our state. That way, you still don't have to actually write um, a reducer and things like that if you have to do custom actions. Hmm. Okay, so there are two key responsibilities that the developer still has to um, has to take care of. That is models and the entity service. Uh, models, you know, where we're familiar with those, we create an interface for, say, a person, we give it a bunch of properties, and then we use those models in NGRX state. Uh, problem with an interface is it's a compile time only aspect of TypeScript. When you compile your project and transpile it into JavaScript, all interfaces are actually removed from the code. So there's no actual runtime type that we can use in Auto Entity. So the first change we require with models is that you make them classes instead of uh, interfaces. That's because classes are first class, pardon the pun, in ECMAScript. And they actually are compiled into the code and included in the JavaScript that's actually shipped with your product. So we have a, a real type we can use in JavaScript at runtime, which is necessary for Auto Entity to do its magic. One other change we require, um, we kind of try to stick with standards and existing patterns, and one of those is decorators. Angular is very decorator-based, and we felt that just using a decorator called that key to mark which properties of your entities are the key for that property um, is, is done in a, in a more familiar way. And if you have composite keys, you can just throw at key on any number of properties that are involved in the key, in the key for that particular entity. The other key part of this that the developer still has to write is the entity service. Um, you're already responsible for writing services. The only thing we do is uh, give you 
an interface that you can implement. Now, this is sort of an optional interface, and this is actually one of the things Brian helped me with, is we originally made this a, like an actual interface, and all there's a whole bunch of methods in here, and uh, they were all required. So you have to implement a lot of methods that often you don't necessarily use. So what we've done is we've, we've made all the methods on this interface optional, and you can pick and choose which ones you actually need for any particular entity. Some entities you may only load. Some entities you may not need deletes. So you can implement only the things you actually need. Uh, as such, this, this interface is more of a guide than a contract, per se. So keep that in mind. Uh, each of these methods provides access to rich entity information that's provided by iEntityInfo. Uh, currently, this includes the name of the model as well as the actual underlying type. So you created a class for person. That's a, that class itself is actually provided on IntityInfo, which gives you the ability to create new instances of it, et cetera. Every method also has access to custom criteria. Uh, this is in any object. It's uh, up to the developer what they pass. And every action that is dispatched um, from the AutoEntity library allows you to include custom criteria. And it's just moved along through AutoEntity and, and provided here in your um, entity services. This supports uh, unique scenarios like hierarchical APIs, where you might have uh, a person underneath an organization, for example, and you need the organization ID. Oops. You can provide that ID and custom criteria to move it along. Um, it, this also supports doing things with uh, third-party services, um, cloud services, et cetera. We want to make sure that you can interact, interact and integrate with any backend you need to. So one of the key changes with AutoEntity is the way services are provided. Instead of just providing the service itself, um, and this is where models being classes comes into play, we provide the class and then use class in Angular's injector to provide the actual service. This is because when you dispatch an action, and then action actually is handled by an effect inside of auto entity. The only piece of information we have to find the right service to invoke for that entity is the model itself. That so token. we provide the model. What was that? That's the token. Exactly. That's your token. Yes. So customer line on your entities themselves are your tokens for your um, for your providers, mm -hmm. and then the services themselves are mapped. One of the cool things with this though is it allows you to share a single entity service among multiple entities. So if you have a very simple backend that follows a very simple pattern, you can utilize entity info and or custom criteria to build a smart service that can be reused for any entity to call a simple backend. So if you have you know, just a backend that goes slash customer, slash line item, slash order, slash product, you could easily build one single service to handle all of those and reduce the amount of code you have to write. That's cool. All right, so that's it for... Um, the developer key responsibilities, um, models and services. The big thing with our entity is entity facades. This is kind of a newer thing. It came about, well, I guess about a couple months ago before I, I did uh, NG Houston. And uh, it was just kind of a, I wonder if I can create a class dynamically and return it <laughs> from one of our functions. So um, make sure I've got an example here, yeah. So a facade, to start off, is a greatly simplified API into state. Um, using the store and using state and reacting to changes in state is it requires a lot of knowledge. You need to know NGRX. You need to know um, RxJS. And RxJS, as was previously mentioned, can be pretty complicated. So one of the goals with facades is to give you a much simplified interface into using state. So you don't have to be constantly you know, ac accessing the store and creating and using selectors, things like that. We build a facade for each of the entities that allows you to interact in a more simplified and logical and familiar way than um, NGRX provides natively. So do you have to use the facade, John, or is that an optional thing? 
it's an optional thing. You can, okay. you can again, we we provide flexibility as one of our key tenants. So you can yeah, choose to use this however you want to. Um, this example here is of our build state function. So build state is the core functionality that prepares state for you. Um, and I'll get into some of this more and once I get into the code and you'll see how simple it is. But build state, you pass in the entity. And then if you have any custom state you want to include on your initial state, you pass that in as well. And we return an object. That object includes a property called initial state, a property called selectors, a property called facade, and then entity state. You can choose to use all these things or use only the facade. Uh, it's up to mm -hmm. you how you want to do it. We do provide the flexibility. If you don't want to use the facade at all and you want to kind of manage it all on your own, it's up to you. You can do that. You can uh, selectors. We have a, a pretty rich set of selectors, and you can probably hop on our um, Git book, uh, which I'll try to share a link for later on here, and see all the selectors we have. But we have a pretty rich set of selectors, much more extensive than uh, NGRX Entity, for example. And uh, you can use those um, as well as Entity State. Uh, entity State is provided. I actually have an error in my code here, but entity state is the actual um, root state. So if you need to create a custom selector, you would use entity state as a state, and then you can create a selector from that. So all these are pretty much optional. You can pick and choose what you want to use. Uh, we actually also provide a reducer, a pre-made pre stub reducer from build state as well. The issue I ran into is when you actually do AOT, uh, AOT cannot uh, use anything created dynamically, such as from a function, in a decorator. And since um, your reducers have to be provided to um, store.forroot or store.for feature, which is part of a decorator, mm -hmm. we actually have to create the reducer ourselves. So oops. Uh, this custom selection here, well, I guess I don't actually have an example of my reducer. So I'll show you guys the reducer when I get into the code. But a stub reducer basically is required just to kind of work with how NGRX works and how Angular works from a decorator standpoint. Hmm. And then, of course, there's a custom selector here that shows how you would create a selector with entity state if you needed to. So facades, uh, the, what we return is, is really a base class for what we find. Uh, this facade provides all the core functionality to interact with all the state we provide with AutoEntity. Uh, you could provide those directly, and there are ways of doing that, and uh, that's, that'll be in our documentation on Gitbook for, for those who want to do that. The recommended approach, though, is to actually extend the entity-based facade, whatever it is for that particular entity, with your own class. Uh, you provide a constructor so as such. This is necessary to make sure that the base class actually gets a hold of the entity class as well as the store. Uh, because these base facades are created by a function, uh, there is no way for us to really inject these directly. The benefits of extending the base facade, however, allow you to add your own functionality. So if you if you need a custom selector and you want to add a property to get that information, you can easily add it. Now, if you want to capture some information, easily you easily capture it. If you prefer to kind of use a save approach rather than a direct update or a create approach, you can create a save method. Cool. So that would be like an upsert, right? The save method. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or, or or you can do you can do an upsert. You can do you can just base like this one just bases the check on the ID. If the ID exists, we update. Otherwise, we create. But you could do an upsert as well. Mm How -hmm. you need to do it. And of course, using them is is kind of where where the beauty comes from. Uh, this is all you actually have to do in a component. You no longer have to bring in the store. You no longer have to worry about actually doing anything with selectors. You bring in your facade, and uh, dot all will get you everything. Load all, load them all. Uh, if you need to, you can add additional functionality. For example, in this example, I was assuming you have a show create dialog function on your facade to kind of create, just, you know, present a form where you can create a new entity. 
It's cool. Okay, well, that's uh, you know, we we do think that entity facades or facades in general are kind of the way of the future with um, Angular development, not just NGX, but Angular development. I mean, we've kind of gotten to the point with web development where a lot of patterns that have been endemic in backend systems and platforms like C Sharp, Java, etc., are very common uh, with TypeScript and with just the way the web is getting really rich these days. I think more of these classic design patterns like a facade are going to find their way into the front end. So we think facades are the way of the future, and we really do hope that this will um, simplify using NGRX and using state and using reactive state in general for you. I just have to chime in and say I really agree with this because I love the facade pattern. Oh yeah, it's great. And I got a shout out to, to Thomas Burleson. You know, he's I think it was his article about a year ago that I found. Mm -hmm. I really I kind of just I'm like, yeah, you know, it's time to start using these kind of patterns in the front end. And so we did. And I've been using I've been using facade for about eight months or so, maybe ten months. I thought I was really biased because Thomas Burleson is actually the one who taught me NGRX. So uh -huh. I learned the facade pattern with NGRX, and I can't do it any like you can't, right. you can't see that. Like, why would you ever not do it like that? It's beautiful. yeah, it just makes things more logical and simple, especially with the components. You kind of and this is where you, you reduce the dispersion of NGRX code throughout your code base. You sure. kind of bring all that store stuff into one little layer, your facade, yeah. and it's not kind of strewn all throughout your entire code base, which is nice. Why does it work a little better? I really love NGRX, uh, but I, I really see I do a lot of consulting across different teams, and I really see so many people writing a lot more code than they need. Yeah. So that's really something great to uh, avoid. Yeah. Well, we hope that this library will really help reduce the amount of code you need without kind of getting in the way or preventing you from doing what you need if you need the power. I mean, if you need power, I want to make sure you have access to it all. So mm -hmm. that's one of the goals with it. This is so exciting. <laughs> I can take my money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so before I dive into code here, uh, one last thing. You know, we do have some extra goodies now, entity. I want to make clear that this isn't just entities. We're more about state than just entities. This is NGRX, and so there are things we do with state that kind of go beyond just loading and retrieving and saving entities. Um, some of that is selections and deselections. If you need to select a particular entity, you'll off. That's kind of the one selector you usually write with with NGRX uh, slash entity is you'll write the select. Well, that's kind of built into auto entity here, as are deselections, clearing loaded state. And then we also have selectors and state for loading, saving, and deleting flags. So if you've loaded and it takes a while to load something, there's a flag that you can use to, to help you show a spinner or hide it. Uh, we also track the last loaded, saved, and deleted at timestamps. And those are just the timestamps for when those actions were seen by the reducer. So. You know, this is that, um, you go back to that slide real quick. Oh, sure. So this is, I think, what people kind of fall into and in, in when they talk about boilerplate and the concern over boilerplate is that it's really the implementations of these common patterns, right? When we're talking about the loading, saving, deleting flags and the timestamps and things like that, these are common patterns that we want to implement when we use NGRX. Right. And to do that, we need to write that code, right? And, and it turns into what we start feeling as like, oh, that's boilerplate, but it really is implementation of these patterns. And so what's really cool then here is that you're taking those common patterns and saying, let's just implement that in this library. And now we can kind of mm -hmm. get away and not have to repeat it. And we'll just accept that, that we're using those patterns, right? Right. Exactly. And, and I, I kind of removed the, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, and it's all wrapped up for you, right? So you don't have to do it. Right. And so I did have another slide on, on Bonnie's um, presentation. You can kind of take a look at that. We have a number of future goals as well. Uh, adding additional selectors for common patterns is something you know we want to do in the future. And if somebody has a common pattern that they use all the time, you know, let us know, and we'll we'll think about adding it to Auto Entity. 
because um, again, we're, this is about state and managing your reactive state and making it easier to do. It doesn't have to be just about CRUD. Cool. Uh, so John, I assume this is open source and available online. If, if people want to contribute, they can do that and submit issues. It is open source. Um, I think I closed that. So if you want to contribute, uh, if you have issues or if you want to contribute, you can go to github.com slash brebug slash ngrx auto entity. Cool. And it's all right there. Go ahead and fork it. And yeah, helps out. We love it. Cool, cool. Let's see some code. All right. Before I dive into code, a couple other things. Oh, okay. Um, before I did these presentations, I wrote this introduction to NGRX Auto Entity. So if you're more of the reading type than the watching type, you can go ahead and dive into that. Um, this probably should have been something at the beginning, but this is a, it's a longer article than most uh, um, <laughs> medium articles. It's about a 15-minute read. But I wanted to make sure it was comprehensive to, as an introduction to all the things uh, Auto Entity yeah. provides. And this does kind of go into more detail about the uh, optional stuff um, the optional ways and alternative ways you can use auto entity in your, in your uh, projects. So uh, there are a lot of ways of using it. It's not highly restrictive. Uh, you can use facades or not. Um, so this article should kind of get you, get you going on that side of things. I really love it when there's an article to go along with the presentation because I can get the gist from the presentation, but I always have to go back and look up stuff and I don't want to watch it again. So this is perfect. I right. love it. So an area I'm a little behind on uh, is documentation. We have a quick start, uh, and I encourage everybody to kind of go there and see how things work. Uh, this was recently updated to make sure it covers how to um, do the facades and stuff. So mm -hmm. um, dive in there. Um, advanced uses documentation. This is really the this will be the meat of it. We're still working on this, but we hope to have it ready soon. Uh, this will kind of cover everything about Auto Entity, all the low level stuff, uh, including things like uh, you know taking control. One of the things we want to make sure you can do is if you need to create a custom action, uh, I kind of break actions, and I actually have a little picture for this. Um, I break actions into kind of the initiator, and then you have your, your results, your success, and your failure. It, it's easy with AutoMinity to create your own custom initiator, write an effect, and then in your effect, dispatch one of our success or failure um, actions with the right shape uh, in terms of data to actually store that state in our state with our with our uh, native reducer. So, you can kind of shortcut the amount of work you have to have to do on your own if you need a custom action by uh, utilizing our success and failure actions in your own effects. And there will be documentation on how to do that in our uh, in our GitHub. All right, so into the code. Uh, we have as part of our library's uh, repository, and this is all over here. So if you actually want to see this code, uh, it'll be under here as soon as I get a chance to to push it up. Um, this demo app has a variety of entities like customers, products, orders, and line items. Um, and I've used this project as a way of, of testing and demonstrating how you actually implement a project with NGRX Auto Entity. So to dive right in here, um, I'm going to start with the state. Since that's pretty much where you, where you generally start with, with the project here. Um, Before we go there, John, can you go to your package JSON and let's just look at those dependencies you're the pure dependencies uh, that you had to install? Yeah. Just double check that. I'm curious. It might actually be easier to look at the library itself. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So our pure dependencies here, um, Angular, common Angular core, NGRX effects, and NGRX store. So I need to install obviously and, Angular. And JS, actually. So yep. Yep. And so those kind of come with an Angular project, right? And then I've got to also have NGRX core, or excuse me, NGRX store, 
as well as NGRX effects to use this library. But I do not need to have NGRX entities, right? No, and actually, I'm glad you brought that up. And this is one of the things Brian and I worked on. And this, this was an interesting aspect of, of the design of um, AutoEntity. We've followed the uh, add NGRX slash entities structure for state uh, as much as we could. Mm -hmm. And it should be possible if you needed to to integrate um, NGRX entity with auto entity and use an adapter to modify auto entity state if you really needed to. Uh, we don't think you'll need to, but we tried to maintain compatibility there. We haven't done a lot of testing with it, um, but it, it's probably an option if somebody really needs it. So that's part of the flexibility aspect there. Cool. Is there a, a ng add schematic for it yet? Ooh, I question. don't have schematics yet. That was one of the one of the future goals, and uh, that's Kevin? an area we could use some help. With. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, once you once you introduce it to us, we get really demanding. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, schematics are definitely something we want to add. I mean, when when you get when we get into this, you'll see there's really not a lot you have to write yourself. Really, when it comes down to it, the code you have to write is the code that's it's part of your solution for your customer, your client. There's not really a whole lot of boilerplate when it comes down to it. Um, actually, let me close that real quick here. Um, well, schematic would still be awesome. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. It, it <laughs> of open source. Justin just volunteered to do that. So <laughs> I volunteered Kevin Schuhard. <laughs> I hope yeah. Kevin's listening going, Brian, no. Kevin will be great. <laughs> Justin's great right to mute Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so to get into some of the code, uh, starting with state. I mean, before I dive into that, I need to. Uh, have to Can you zoom that up? Yeah, yeah. So uh, all your standard stuff for state is still necessary. So you're going to want to bring in your store module, your effects, mm -hmm. your tools, etc. I mean, this stuff is pretty standard. Uh, schematics should exist for doing all this for you as well. Mm -hmm. One key thing you want to do is uh, make sure you bring in entity effects from um, our library. This is the rolled up set of automatic effects that handle all actions in our library. We actually provide a, a range of, of groups of effects. So there's entity effects, which is everything. There's also CRUD effects, which is just the CRUD. Um, there's cut effects, there's create effects, there's you know update effects. You can break them down and bring in just the ones you want. For example, if you want to do CRUD, or sorry, CRUD, CUD, the create, update, delete, you can bring in cut effects and then not bring in load effects and then handle all the loads yourself if you prefer. So we provide a lot of flexibility there. Uh, the other thing you have to do is make sure you set up your app state. Again, this is stuff that a schematic will largely boilerplate for you. Um, there are a few small changes, though. Um, the first of them is to make sure you bring an auto entity made. Wait, can you uh, bump that font size? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why. It's, I don't know why this is. Uh, yeah, I don't know why it's not sticking. That's all right. Yeah. All right, cool. One second here. Let me see if I can. I don't know. It might be in preferences. Yeah, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just zoom in when I go. So anyway, yeah. auto entity meta reducer needs to be brought in as a meta reducer. Um, I was doing some research recently, and it may be possible for us to actually include this meta reducer automatically um, when you import our, our module. So this may be a requirement that goes away in the future. If I can, I'm going to do that. Uh, but for now, you need to bring it in into your meta reducers uh, to make sure that even though when effects run, that they're actually the results are actually being reduced properly. So. And that's just the meta reducer function. You're just importing that directly from the uh, auto entity library up up. Yep. Correct. Right. Yeah, right there. Cool. The other thing you're going to import is I entity state. So this is an area where we kind of help you reduce the amount of code you have to write. You don't have to write um, interfaces anymore. I entity state takes care of it. And if you take a look at your our app state interface here, 
we've just reused that generic that generic interface for each of our um, entities. Gotcha. So you've got the router, and then there's all of your entities like customer, and then you've got I entity state. That's that interface, yeah, that you brought in, and then you're saying the generic type of this is customer. So that way, all the stuff that I'm I'm getting out of that state, it knows that it's a customer. Uh, entity or object, right? Correct. Correct. Yep. Cool. And those customers, those are those models, the classes you were talking about uh, in yep. the beginning. And so I can hop into that real quick here. So here's a customer model. Very simple. And this yep. is all just pulling from that little JSON server database. So there's nothing, nothing special here. Um, of course, we've got at key on there. And one of the things I wanted to make sure I was able to demonstrate here was um, a model with a composite key. So in this particular mm -hmm. case, order items have a composite key of order ID and product ID. Cool. Uh, when you when you do use a composite key, we automatically generate a key that is used as the ID and as the property name for each entity in the state itself. So again, we, we follow the uh, NGRX entity structure for, for state. We have IDs as an array, and then we have entities as an object where it's basically an associative map of the ID to the actual entity itself. Mm -hmm. So. We, our, our model is very simple. We do provide some utility functions that if you need to get access to a, an entity key that's a composite key, we have a function called get entity key uh, and a few other functions that'll help you there. But our model is very simple. Uh, this is simply, uh, so that's what so we generate. We just concatenate. Yeah. Yeah. So if this is order ID, you know, 24 and product ID 396, that would be your ID. And the reason we follow this very simple model, and we'll try to stick to this as long as we can, um, is that if you, you know, when you need to select something, uh, we have a select by ID um, uh, action, and you can just plug an ID in there. And, make, and we want to make sure it's really easy for you guys to create composite keys if you need to. Can the keys be uh, any type, or do they have to be a number? Uh, so they can be number or string. Um, we did fiddle around with alternatives, and that kind of gets messy. So um, if if there's a need for more complex keys in the future, that's another one of our future goals to, is to make it so that you can actually maybe throw at key on the class itself and then provide a, a way of, of def, um, you know, building a key on your own with your own function. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's something you could wrap into that decorator where you could pass it in you know, a, a key resolver. Yeah. Something that okay, if you need to customize it, the key off of an object, I don't know. But. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's thoughts going on on how we can do that. Uh, I do want to make sure that's more flexible if necessary. I mean, if you just kind of throw a key on, in, on on anything in here, say a date, you know, that kind of becomes, well, how do you want to format the date? And it gets a little, a little crazy there. So uh, we do want to expand functionality there. We just kind of got to figure out how to do it. So. But for now, strings are numbers. It yeah, can be for, right. For most instances, if you're doing like auto increment, you know, IDs in a structured database or, right. um, you know, like a GUID or whatever in uh, Mongo or whatever, you're you're good to go. Yeah. 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 We think this will cover the majority of cases. So Cool. Okay. So uh, let's get back to state here. Um, you'll notice I pulled out initial state and I pulled out the facade base class. Um, for the most part, I think this will be the, this will be the things you need. Um, again, Wait, we have, hold on, John. We were in App State. Did we miss something in App State, or you you just moving ahead? Sorry. Uh, so in App State, we did actually. I guess interface reducer. Yep. Okay. Good. I just didn't want us to miss something. So this is where we wire up our reducers. Mm -hmm. And this is really standard. I mean, th this this has not really changed, other than that you don't have to write your own interface. Uh, this yep. is 
how you always have used NGRX Auto Entity, or sorry, NGRX itself. And we didn't want to change this yep. really necessary. So. so this is the same code that we're used to writing. We bring this into our module, whether that's our app module or if we have a separate state module. And when we invoke that for root static method, we pass in those reducers. Correct. I just cool. want to say, I really always want Brian Love to sit and watch me when I'm working so that he can go, <laughs> I really just wish I could always have that. Just, just pair program. You yeah. can pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> I could offer that service if you'd like. <laughs> like he would be your rubber duck or what? Yeah. <laughs> no, he would just always be there going, oh, by the way, you, you, you oh, wait, go, go back, back to the file. Over, yeah, up, yeah. over there. He does that. And it's been, you know, and this is what I'm going to miss, man. It's been great working with Brian over the last couple of years. Yeah. So, do we need another one on the other shoulder that just says, no, no, just go for it, go for it. <laughs> trying to get out of here for lunch. Keep going. Yeah. 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 All righty. So to kind of, kind of reiterate what I mentioned before, we do provide a, a kind of a, a stub reducer, as I'm calling it. And this, I would call this a stub reducer because it doesn't really actually do anything. Um, the only reason this is necessary is because you have to provide a reducer. Um, a reducer, oops, is necessary for the app reducer and the reducer map to actually function. Since we're not changing any of this aspect of NGRX, you still got to create a reducer. We did try <coughs> to return a, a, a stub reducer from build state, and it's actually there. As long as you don't do an AOT build, it even works. Um, mm -hmm. With AOT, because of the way it, it tries to pre-compile and, and, uh, and preemptively do things at compile time, uh, the ready-made reducer doesn't really work. So you're on the hook to write this. But as you can see, it's only three lines, and it's really simple. Maybe somebody that's uh, listening that's super smart can help us figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, we need a super smart person to help us figure out how to make it a schematic so nobody else has to write any of this at all. <laughs> uh, I you're laughing. As, soon as, you, as long as you don't use AOT, it works fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Just don't, don't AOT your project. But I thought I wrote it. <laughs> Uh, so, anyways, this is this is state, and you'll notice, you know, I, I really kind of simplified what we do in our state in our state module. You used to have folders, and each, each of those folders would have a reducer file, um, a selectors file, etc. You'd have you know four or five files for each piece of state for each entity. I've reduced that just to these one, you know, this 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 single file, and each new entity is just the same thing. So that same thing is import build state. We run build state, right, or invoke right. it, yeah, right. and then we pass in that again that class. That's our entity class, the yeah. order, I right? Clarify that here, and th this is a kind of a common pattern that you'll see throughout uh, Auto Entity. We're passing the type here. When we say mm -hmm. build state, we're not passing an instance of an order class. We are passing the order class itself, right? And that's it's not newed up. Things. Yep. Uh, and, and to be very clear, build state is actually a generic function. And uh, all the generic junk that you would normally have right here is actually being implied based on what you pass in. Correct. The first one is T model. Yeah. And there's others. But T model is inferred from whatever you pass in here. So it is not necessary to actually specify all those generic factors. It, it figures it out for you, right? Yeah. The other thing that you can provide here, if you notice the, the information popping up there, it's a little small. I apologize. Uh, type. And then, of course, extra initial state. So if you have any other initial state you want to put on here because you're going to create your own selectors and you're going to use that extra state, you can actually pass that in here and we'll merge it in for you automatically. And that'll actually come through on your initial state and be passed in here. Cool. Uh, to kind of expand on a few other things, we provide a few other um, pieces of information here. And as you can see, there's the reducer I mentioned. 
Uh, there's entity state. So this is, notice it's a function for getting state. And this is the first part of creating your own custom selectors to get the state that you're going to work with. It's a selector for getting state, right? It, it, it's uh, it's the get, it's like the get state function that you would use in a new creating. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so you have access to that, and then of course we have selectors. Selectors is a is an object, kind of like you'd have with um, um with, with your identity. identity, correct. And we yep. have a whole bunch of um, selectors. Boy, I'm actually because I've moved to using facades, I've actually forgotten what they are. But you have like a so like all, yeah, yeah. and this would yeah. be orders so you would have all, all orders yeah yeah and, you know you could do more of that um yeah if you do equals selectors there you should be able to see them all right uh oh maybe i can let's see here does it give them to you no yeah see this this is something i've never actually been able to, to get this to work is to actually have it show you what selectors are yeah. But anyways, there's a bunch. This information will be on our GitBook documentation for those who need to know. Uh, there's quite a few of them. <clears throat> I may actually be able to hop in there and actually see what we got. Uh, yeah, actually, I don't think I have anything in here right now about that. So, okay. Uh, but anyways, if you don't want to use facade, you have access to all the selectors, and you have access to the entity state. So you can create your own selectors, and you can kind of do things how you normally do it without having to actually write all the effects, write all the actions, and write the reducer. Cool. So let's, uh, have we covered all of the setup, the initialization? We talked about the class. Oh, we need to get into effects. So, so yes. So effects. you normally don't have to write effects. Um, if you do want to write effects, you can. Um, something that we did here is, is and this is something we're going to kind of also try to roll into NGRX Automating in the future, but things like doing snack bars or toasts when something has been successful or has failed. Uh, right now, we're creating those effects ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's some important okay. pieces of, of knowledge to share here. Let me actually zoom this in. Is Can better? you explain really quick what a toast or snack bar is for our viewers? Sure. So a toast, uh, if you, you a toast is a little little pop up blocks that kind of show up in the corner of a page uh, when you do when you do some particular action. A snack bar is generally the same kind of thing, only it's a little block that kind of shows up at the bottom in the center of the screen or center of the web page, uh, and they're just little notifications that help the user know something's occurred or an alert uh, happened, whatever it may be. So for example, if we were to update a order information and we saved it, then this right. would allow our application to give this visual notification that like the save was complete. Correct. Maybe I can demonstrate that. Yeah, really. I was gonna say, why don't we just let's run through it? Hey, will you open up in the demo here that you're doing right now? Will you open up um, the developer tools and go to the Redux? Do you have the Redux extension? Oh, sure. Like? Yeah, yeah. Let's see these actions. Let's see it go. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let me give me a kind of reset here. Um, let's reload this guy. All right. So close that for a moment. We've actually got a, a bunch of pieces of state that are being loaded here. Uh, we have orders, but orders. This little order preview here requires customer information. So we're loading both orders and customers. We're using the customers over here for our top customer list. And then we have some products we're pulling the top, most recently added products here. Um, all this involved this state, mm -hmm. these we dispatched. Now you'll notice when you dispatch a generic action, and I'll, I'll get into the code for this in a little bit, <clears throat> um, we actually plug the name of the, of the model you're actually dispatching. So even though you're using the exact same actions for everything, 
we actually specify what it is in our, in our strings here. So it's clear. So that way it can debug it. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. It just makes it easier to debug. I mean, otherwise it would just say generic load all, and you'd have to kind of dig through them all to figure out which entity was involved. We're actually mm -hmm. for you. And to kind of, kind of segue off of that, we did put a lot of effort into error messaging. That was actually a pretty tricky aspect of auto entity is making sure that we're bubbling up useful error messages. So, um, I guess I can actually actually demonstrate that in a moment here. If you if you've done something wrong, for example, you forgot to provide something, we'll let you know, and the message is very clear that you forgot to provide a particular um, entity. Cool. So we can see is loading got toggled to true, and then if you go down to customer uh, generic load all success, cool. So now we have our entities in the dictionary, and then we've got uh, the array of IDs. Yeah. Nice. And then is loaded went back to false, right? I think I saw that. Right. Yeah. Is loaded went to false, but you'll notice we also have loaded at. And then I mentioned that we have a lot of state. So we actually track current page and total pageable count, things like that. Um, you know, total pageable count will be all the entities if you load all. Um, I think this will probably have to kind of fall into another presentation to get into like things like loading pages, loading ranges. That's There's a lot of core functionality on the load side of things. It's very rich. And we provide a lot of state for things like loading a page of information um, versus loading ranges of information or loading many entities versus loading all entities. There's a lot of semantics involved in each of our actions. And I'll, I'll, I'll have to kind of roll that into some future uh, presentations because I think we're going to run out of time today. But you'll notice we've got a lot of state in here. We have loaded at, we have current page, total page will count. Um, and there's even more information that can end up in here if you use additional functionality of NGRX. It's not all in there by default. It's only added if, if necessary. So, Cool. Uh, so back to the error messages thing. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to I'm going to remove one of our <coughs> one of our uh, providers. Let me just remove this guy. So if you've forgotten to uh, register your your model as a provider, you'll get this error message, and it's actually we try to make it very clear. Uh, I don't know if this can be zoomed in or not. I think you can click on it and then do Command Plus. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so notice, unable to locate service order service using the model name of order. This message is telling you that you forgot to actually register your model as a provider for the order service. And we've done a number of other error messages like this that'll tell you if, for example, if you forget to um, throw at key on one of your models. We make it pretty clear that you've done that. You've, you've forgotten to do that. You don't throw a key on there. Ready to reload. Entity model order does not have a key specified. So we're, we're telling you pretty clearly what's wrong if, you, if you've uh, forgotten to do something. That's very nice. All right, so uh, I don't actually have any low-level usage here uh, in terms of like actually dispatching actions or anything yourself. What, John, what if we look at just like modifying? Let's look at a couple more actions in the browser. So go back to the demo app. So you did load. I assume I can create, I can kind of start managing these entities, right? Yeah. I hate to say this, you guys, because this is very cool, and I don't want you to stop at all, but we are also getting close to the top of the hour. All right. Okay. So here's your here's your snack bar at the bottom. That's disappeared already. Let me add another one. And so obviously in the Redux Dev Tools, I would see something like 
uh, you know, entity created. And yeah, I'll, I'll get customer. it to that moment. I just want to make sure yeah. you know, people can see the, the snack bar when it pops up. So as soon as I hit save, look at the bottom of the screen. Yep. Customer created customer success. Created. So that is our custom effect that we've implemented. Just bring up customer effects. So we create success, and there are some key things to understand here. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, we're opening a snack bar that says customer created. We're doing that in response to a particular action for a particular model. Since our actions are generic, we created an of entity type operator for the pipeline. This allows you to specify the model, the specific model you're interested in, as well as the particular action. Entity create success. Uh, without this, if you just look for a create success, Every single create success for every single entity will stream through this particular pipe for, for this particular effect. And you'll get a snack bar for every entity that says customer created. So we added the uh, of entity type to allow you to filter by model as well as by action. OK, I want to dive into some, uh, some of the, the actual usage of our facades here. To start off. How much time do we have, Bonnie? Are we running out of time? Uh, I would defer to Justin because it's his show. I'm just reminding you, but I will say that we still have uh, 14 people watching online. So okay, so we got I, I what, about another hour. Do we have a hard stop, anybody? Yeah, we have a hard stop. So we got about five more minutes of content. Okay, okay. So let, me, let me get through some facade stuff here because this is this is the really great stuff with Auto Entity. Um, we provide a base class. <clears throat> you can create your own customer facade, for example, that extends customer facade base. Can you zoom that up, John, real quick? My apologies. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to keep bothering you. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks. Um, the constructor has to be pretty specific. Uh, because we're generating our base classes as part of a function call in, when initializing state, we don't really have access to the injector. So when you create your actual customer facade from the base class, you want to bring in the store. And then make sure you're providing the, the model type as well as a store to the base class when you construct it. And then one of the nice things about having a facade like this that, that's based on a ready-made facade that does all the boilerplate stuff for you is uh, you can then just use the base facade in, uh, information and, and the properties, the functions, and extend them much more easily than you would normally do. And, uh, can you show you us that API? Like, can you show us what that facade looks like? So we've seen all. I suspect yeah. there's – and we saw load all. Um, what are some of the other methods that I have access to in the facade once I bring that into my component? I'm going to have to dive into the library itself here. Um, so here, you know, when you when you actually create, you know, when you call build state, we run through all this stuff, and one of those is creating a new facade class. That facade class is based on identity facade of type T model. And actually, it might be easier to show that. So here is identity facade. Let me see if I can zoom in here. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Cool, cool, cool. So here is here is the interface that represents the base entity facade that we create for you. Um, nice. You have access to all your selectors. Your selectors are just become properties. You don't have to actually worry about calling, you know, doing a pipe off the store and selecting, etc. We provide, we do all that for you. And we just provide you a property. Cool. So all of our state is accessible through simple properties. And then, of course, all of our actions can be invoked by just a simple method call. Cool. And we provide all the necessary information, including you know optional criteria, et cetera, for all those functions. 
So this is the this is the core boilerplate ready-made functionality that you have access to when you're implementing your own facade. So if you need all the entities, you can access this dot all, which is form mm -hmm. class, and mm -hmm. then you can do what you need to do with it. You can pipe it through your own functionality. Yeah. So then you're just doing a map operator and then filtering out for all the active customers. Nice. All right. Uh, and I also wanted to get the top customers, uh, and so I just have a simple one here. That's a function. Just take a parameter. And it just slices the, the top customers by whatever count you provide. Um, let me kind of get back to the code here. Uh, we have some more complex uh, examples. You know, recent of status. So here you'll notice you're not really using the store at all. You are simply doing RxJS here. So RxJS with entity uh, auto entity and entity facades becomes more about the state becomes more about learning RxJS and how to do reactive programming. Uh, and when you know Brian has a lot of great content uh, from Angular meetups and things like that on how to do how to how to really learn NGRX, sorry RxJS and how to do reactive programming properly. Uh, but you can add any functionality you need into this facade. This becomes your business uh, layer in, in effect, and it allows you to greatly simplify your components because all that critical functionality is in your facade now, rather than dispersed throughout who knows how many components. Uh, an example here is uh, I call this order manager facade. You'll notice this is not deriving from a base facade. This is just another facade I created as more of a composite of other facades. Hmm. This is what I used to create some uh, functions that'll retrieve the information I wanted to show on our on our on our main page. This table here is a composite of information from both orders as well as customers. Ah, uh, right, right, right. So I, created, I created a composite facade, basically, that allowed me to compose information from all those other facades into a single entity, a new, mm -hmm. a new model I created called Order Info. Mm -hmm. This is not the only way of doing it, but this is a recommended approach for keeping your code organized. But again, all that functionality is in this one area. It's all in facades. When it comes to components, you don't have to really worry about state, store, barely even worry about react reactiveness. Um, yeah, show us that. Yeah, let's see. So we just, or I guess you showed it to us already, but we just bring in our facades, we inject those in the constructor, and then I just call load all. Nice. Right, load all, and then you know you you access the information by a function you've written. It just it's just more logical, it's simpler, it's easier to understand. Mm -hmm. Cool, man. Down here. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, I think we're at the top of the hour, so we better wrap it up. Um, any last thing you want to show or, or get in here? Or are we good right now? Uh, for now, I think this is good. I hope this is a good introduction. I'll kind of pave the way for people using Auto Entity. I do want to do some additional uh, presentations in the future to kind of show some more advanced usage. Um, I'd like to, I need time to kind of get that in here into this demo project, though. And by the way, all this code, this demo project, is a part of our repo. It's just part of the library repo. So you can find that um, on our on our GitHub, and it's just under the source directory. So uh, not all these current changes are pushed yet. So I'll be pushing those shortly here, and uh, hopefully this will this will get you guys rolling. Awesome, nice job, John. I think you completely melted my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and those uh, the link to the repo and to the uh, Git book, I put them in the description for this. Uh, video, so it's already up there in the awesome. YouTube description. So those are there. We can add a couple more in there as well, um, for sure. Very cool. Sounds good. Very cool. All right, let's do some picks, and then we'll call it a day. Who's got picks? Raise your hand, and I'll start calling. All right, I'm gonna start with Bonnie. 
Uh, really quick, it was just actually like an hour ago. Uh, Narwhal Connect did. Oh, you stole my pick. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a really great episode. Uh, it was. Basil, uh, lots of updates. And if you are if you have any kind of large mono repo um, that's slowing down, you really need to be looking at Basil. That's my pick. Sorry, Brian. No, that's all right. I got another one. But that it was live. I assume they're going to have it in Narwhal Connect so you can watch it after the fact. Yes. I don't know if it's in there now, but yeah, cool. All right, Brian, you got another one? I do have another pick. Uh, the NG Vikings videos came out. Was it this week or maybe it was late last week? Um, and so I wasn't able to go to NG Vikings, but I really enjoy watching the videos. And so I've already started going down the list of all of the YouTube videos. Um, and there's some great content out there. Um, I know, Bonnie, you were there, right? I was there with Matt Carniato and uh, we did a talk. And, I, and I, it was my first Vikings. And I hope it's not my last. I really hope I never miss another Vikings ever again because it was such a fun conference and I really love them. That's awesome. And they actually had real Vikings, y'all. Like <laughs> real Vikings, like legit actual Vikings and they were majestic. That's funny. Yeah. That's cool. Um, <laughs> that's it. Awesome. Uh, John, did you have anything you want to plug? I mean, no, I, uh, I didn't have any, I didn't know that was a thing we did, so I'll, I'll prepare it next time. <laughs> no, perfect. perfect. I, wanted, I wanted to thank you for your opportunity. I, you know, I've been working on this for a while, and, and Brian's helped a lot. Uh, and I'm just kind of I'm glad it came together, and it's something that we can actually really share and hopefully will help the community. So thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. Well, no, no, no. Thank you. We really appreciate you taking the time, sharing your time, and sharing this content uh, on Angular for sure. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for writing it. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a learning experience. Oh, oh, one actually, one more thing I should say. Um, we do have functionality for doing feature state. However, we were testing it recently and uh, we hadn't actually used it apparently. And there's a, a little quirk with how injectors work in Angular, and current at runtime, even though all the code works and compiles um, for lazy loaded feature modules, we can't find the inject the right injector to actually get access to the providers. So I got to figure that out. If anybody needs to. Um, do anything with feature state, just let everybody know the functionality is not working yet, and I'm going to try to get it working as soon as possible here. So. When you say feature state, you mean lazy loaded features. Yeah, like lazy loaded features. Okay. Well, you've got a separate module and you need to use NGRX in there and you have your models and your services in that particular module, that's yep. the particular use case that is, is functioning at the moment. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, sounds good. Well, we'll be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Okay, that's all we got time for. That's a wrap. Catch everyone on the next show. See ya. Thanks. See ya. See ya.